Hey, this is Kyle D'Agostino with Pool & Company Architects in Birmingham, Alabama, with another episode of the Pool & Company uh, podcast. And today we have the privilege of speaking with Andy Turner, who is uh, the president of Spaces Management and a variety of other uh, uh, businesses. And we're going to talk to uh, Andy about who he is, what he does, and why he does it. Andy, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Looks like yeah. you are live from the uh, captain's cabin at Lake Tuscaloosa. That's pretty awesome. Exactly. It's a pretty nice view every day to come to work, for sure. So we've been blessed to uh, have this property to redevelop and work from right now. So we wanted to talk to Andy today about a variety of things, but I want to get started uh, kind of at the beginning. Andy, I probably didn't do you justice. Uh, give me a better introduction of uh, who you are and um, what you uh, what you do for a living. Sure. Uh, yeah, as you said, Andy Turner. Um, originally from Selma, Alabama. Uh, enjoyed growing up in small town, Alabama. Um, and uh, from high school, came to the University of Alabama. Uh, finished my undergraduate degree. Got talked into going into the doctoral program. So I completed a doctorate in strategic management at the University of Alabama. Uh, and then I just you know, through that, decided I wasn't going to stay in academics and that I enjoyed the practice of business more than the study and research of business. And so I uh, started in real estate just as a salesperson, kind of grew the business from there, uh, which led into starting a management company. And now we um, have several kind of vertical company or kind of horizontal companies that feed into um, what we do overall. But uh now doing more of the development work, but still have the management company and the others as well. When you when you started and you said you were doing sales, was that for yourself or was you know where was that first job? The quick answer is that was at Advantage Realty. Uh, so when I okay. was um, in undergrad, I actually spent four summers at uh, JH Ranch out in Northern California. They're actually based. Oh in yeah. But so I was the only Tuscaloosa guy on staff in 98 and a guy named Bill Trick um, was on the board and he came out. So we connected. He kind of mentored me and I stayed very involved in JH Ranch and Outback America through that. And so he and I got to know each other really well. And then when I was kind of going through that decision point of I'm not going to stay in academics, um, he made a proposition to me to come into real estate as a salesperson. He would teach me development and mentor me. And so that's what we did. And that was all at Advantage Realty back then. That's that's really interesting. So uh, just to touch on the academics, uh, what made you think originally that you might stay in academics? Like what was the interest there for you? Well, it just made sense. So I had, you know, back then, small company management entrepreneurship was a pretty small department. So we all knew each other well. We knew our professors well. Um, and the last part of your coursework, um, your final semester, is you write a business plan. And the idea is that you take that business plan and you start that business after graduation. So I actually grew up, uh, my dad owns a um, towing service in Selma. And so I grew up, you know, really from the time I was 14, driving a tow truck. Probably not supposed to say ah, that. No but, kidding. Um, and so I had observed the industry, knew the industry, saw it was very fragmented, a lot of family-owned businesses. And so I'd actually written a business plan to consolidate um, the towing industry. My professor, uh, Mark Weaver, uh, who was over the whole department uh, that we were in, really liked the business plan. He said, why don't you 
postpone that for right now and get your doctorate. And here's why. There's going to be a high need for business professors in the coming years. Um, my generation is going to be retiring out. So you get steady income of university life, um, but then you can have, uh -huh. I, he had five businesses that he owned. And um, so you kind of get the best of both worlds. And so that sounded pretty good yeah. to me. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I was uh, yeah, always interested in continuing to um, be part of the academic world. And I try to try to do that as much as I can, um, yeah. really just as a, as a guest critic or um as a uh, adjunct, uh, mm -hmm. occasionally talk to me a little bit more about growing up in, uh, Selma, Alabama. What, what was, uh, that like, and you know, what are some of the things that you, you take away or learned, uh, from growing up there? Selma was great. I mean, I, I still think it is a great town. You know, it's got a lot of challenges, but, uh, I really loved, uh, growing up in Selma, great town. I mean, I was just back here this past weekend playing with a good friend of mine from high school, playing golf at the country club that is, been mostly destroyed by the tornado that came through and they're figuring out what to do next there. Um, but just a beautiful historic town. There's a lot of talk about, you know, and there's been efforts, you know, Tuscaloosa has redeveloped downtown um, pretty well, but Tuscaloosa does, did not and never can have the kind of downtown that Selma has. You've got three signature churches with there at the main and main downtown, the beautiful downtown buildings and bridge and I mean, you still have homes from the Civil War that you go around for the pilgrimage. I mean, it was great growing up there and great friends um, and just a real sense of community there. Um, so I enjoyed small town. And, you know, I think there's still I mean, if I had pockets deep enough to go back and redevelop Selma, it's a beautiful river town. You know, I think there's opportunity there someday. Yeah. So forgive me uh, my ignorance. I could probably I could probably guess, but to tell me what why does Selma exist? What what's its history? Well, I mean, Selma is a river town, just like a lot of, you know, yep. just like Tuscaloosa. Interestingly, you know, it was a key place during the Civil War. Yeah, that's where the um, all the cannons and cannonballs were produced right there on the river. No kidding. Uh, those buildings still exist. They've done a kind of a river walk attempt there to bring mm -hmm. you know some interest back to that. Uh, I mean, Selma is known for Edmund Pettus Bridge, which is where Bloody Sunday occurred in the civil rights. Right. So a lot of people, I mean, Selma is known internationally as a place of civil rights. People have viewed it negatively from the Bloody Sunday instance, but it, there's a lot of history there. I think, you know, it's an opportunity to create a tourist attraction there, right? Take advantage of your history. Yeah. A lot of history um, from the Battle of Selma taking place there, um, the armory being there. Um, that produced all the cannons and then all the civil rights components. Uh, so there's there's a lot of stories to tell there. Yeah, you said that uh, Tuscaloosa could never could never be um, Selma in terms of its downtown. Yeah, um, that sort of leads me to my question of um, is that what drew you to to lead to develop in places somewhere other than Selma? Uh, I mean, Tuscaloosa's kind of been uh, is where you've been for quite some time now. What's the attraction to to Tuscaloosa and you know, what do you what are you trying to accomplish there? Yeah, I mean, so Selma just doesn't have any economic driver, so it's not realistic to develop there. You know, if they can mm -hmm. develop some type of tourist driver, maybe. But, you know, as it stands, most of the industry is left there and there's a lot of challenges to, yep. you know, investing and developing there. So, you know, Tuscaloosa is a university town. It's a river town. It's a university town. It's a lake town. Um, and most people don't mm -hmm. think about that. We love our lakes and rivers here in Alabama, for sure. We do. And so... Not only do we have Lake Tuscaloosa, which 
is a 5,800 acre lake, 26 miles in length. There's also Lake Harrison, Lake Nickel. Uh, there's actually, there are efforts right now where the city's gonna invest in making those into recreational lakes. So non-motorized mm-hmm. activities over there. Uh, there's a great master plan that was just released for that area. And, you know, Lake Tuscaloosa is a large, beautiful lake with tremendous opportunity uh, for the city. I don't think I've answered your question. What drew me to developing here? This was home. And, yeah. you know, I enjoyed being here. It's where I started my career. And so with the university, uh, we naturally have developed around a lot of student housing type things. You know, the kitty condos, purpose-built student housing uh, um, have all been what we started doing. We've expanded that into other markets outside of Tuscaloosa. So we're not, we haven't done stuff just in Tuscaloosa, but um, kind of continue to grow that niche, but now looking at some more opportunities to uh, that are non-university related to really grow, uh, hopefully attracting people to tourism in Tuscaloosa and creating better um, lifestyle options in the city. Right. Obviously, university is a big draw. Um, it's obvious it's a, a big SEC school. Um, sports are king. It seems like those are all things. Uh, obviously, then it becomes an incredible tourist uh, town. You know, yeah. to, can you talk about more specifically, you know, how you've uh, capitalized on, you know, on Tuscaloosa and what it has to offer? Back when I first started, um, I guess, kind of in figuring out developments and putting these together, I was really big on downtown. And this was back. Um, before, I mean, downtown was pretty run down. A lot of vacant buildings, a lot of car repair shops. In fact, the very first development we did was on 21st Avenue. We bought the whole street on 21st Avenue had junk cars piled up, like not just parked, but piled up um, all around. And we bought this old mechanics building. It's still there. We had a plan at the time. This was before anybody was doing condos to do. Uh, actually, Chris Chitina's group, designed it. it's called metalworks it's going to be a um, yeah i really high remember that condo project downtown it was a little ahead of the condo craze um we actually mm-hmm. had pre-sold 40 of the 79 units at the time and you know i was straight out of college and so the guys who were investors in it they they wanted to be at 80 percent, and we never could quite get there so we ended up Flipping that, we made some actually made pretty good money flipping that property over, and it's now where Jim and Nix is located, and a couple other things. Okay. Um, so I was really big. I had a whole go downtown campaign, really pushed downtown. Um, I was never really successful in actually getting a development done downtown, but there have been a lot of them that are have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, we pivoted then. Uh, at the same time, we bought the old water treatment plant on the river. We ended up redeveloping that into student apartments uh, along the riverfront. We took an old water treatment plant. Um, We had hoped to salvage it, but we ended up having to tear it down. Long story on all of that. Um, Ended up developing that as the Bluff at Waterworks Landing uh, student housing project there. So that um, was really the first development that uh, we pulled off and did um, where I had full vision and brought brought it to life. And so that was a lot of fun. So student housing development was our first project there. and then that led into we were doing a whole i mean the condo craze happened and we were i was kind of on the front of that because coming right out of college everybody knew wanted to condo and there weren't any i did the site selection and helped develop traditions condominiums um, and then helped the guys over at capstone who did capstone quarters the dinnerstein company with crimson place condos uh, we did the legends condominiums right there by the stadium so getting into the game day luxury condos um, and so it just kind of kept evolving we did project after project of condos uh, really 
Uh, I think we ended up doing four, seven, eight condo projects in Tuscaloosa. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And then shifted over um, into purpose-built student housing from there. And so a few years ago, we opened the Walk Tuscaloosa, uh, which is right yep. behind Tutwiler, 251 duds. That's in the area where, where the university has said that they would allow purpose-built housing. Is that right? Or no, I'm sorry, not the university, but the city? city. There's a story there, right? I thought they called it the box. <laughs> yeah. So you have the box. So, yeah. Uh, you know, when you look at Tuscaloosa, historically, there there was a lot. So you had the condo boom coming, and then really purpose-built housing started to roll in. And there was a lot of like, resistance. Yeah. So wait, let me say, before that, I'm assuming it was like every other university campus where pe- the students were just living in, in, rent, in rented homes if they weren't in a dormitory. Was that basically how it worked? Yeah, a lot of rental homes, a lot of old, yeah. just... Um, you know, market rent apartments, nothing that is nothing like what we have today. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, your housing stock has really totally been transformed in the past uh, 14 years. There was a lot of risk resistance to change and to high density in particular. And so you kind of had a lot of battling that went on and a lot of, you know, zoning code rewrites and changes again and changes again. And so, you know, right now, I mean, as it is today, you can't build over uh, 200 beds anymore. Uh, and so there's a moratorium in effect that's been in place related to that. I get the sense that people are kind of coming around to the idea of stack them and pack them in the box, you know, because mm-hmm. if you can keep all of your infrastructure costs for right. the students into a area, it makes more sense. And I think city's that, infrastructure, right? Correct. And so I think and, yeah. you know, and one of the concerns was there, the city infrastructure wasn't there. They, they were having a lot of yeah. infrastructure problems. Right. I remember that when we were working together on that project. Yes. And so not all, but those things have improved. And so, so now you do have a very high density of students in that area. We did a small development this past year, just a 36 bed called Highland House. It's really three houses. Each house is three stories and each level is basically a four bedroom apartment. Um, but the students have really liked that product because um, of feels like a house, looks like a house. They're just mm-hmm. three stories, very large homes. Um, and those are very, very successful um, types of projects. The challenge is getting the land to do them. Yeah. So those are, um, and those are smaller pieces of dirt, I assume, that are required to make those projects work. Yeah. You're basically, I mean, you can take an existing single family lot and put one of those per single family lot. Are there, um, I'll be tactful about this, but uh, you know the relationships with the university as it relates to housing is—is is it important to to be uh, in concert with leadership there? Um, how does that work? Uh, I'm assuming they like it when somebody besides them is building ha- housing. Yes. So, and that, you know that all started with Dr. Witt. You know, he when he came and started as president, one of the first things he did was he met with all of the local property owners and landlords. He said, basically laid out his vision for growing the university. You know, we were 18,000 students then. We we're 40, almost 40,000 students now. And wow. that was his vision. Wow. And he said, to do this, we've got to have, this has got to be cleaned up, you know, because it was a lot of old rundown houses, rundown apartments. Absentee landlords. Yeah. I need your help to provide quality housing to attract the type of students we want to attract here. And he would have an annual meeting with all of us every year. And he'd say, here's where we're headed as a university. And here's, you know, how you can be part of that. And, you know, they have a whole off-housing campus department 
at the university. Um, and I mean, we have a, we've always had a great working relationship with them. I mean, when they get in bond, we've done several mass releases with them for units. It's a great working relationship that we've had with the university. And I think that in general, they understand and we understand the importance of a good relationship together. I find all of that really fascinating. I think that these relationships between the public and the, and the private entities seems the most appropriate way to, to go forward as opposed to, you know, smashing your head against the wall and trying to develop uh, the, the way that you want, that seems most uh, expeditious for, you know, for developers. Seems like working with the right. city, working with the university in tandem right. has got to be the most appropriate approach. Yeah. And, you know, we all learn along the way, you know, um, and I think that's, you know, we learn better ways to develop and bring products to market. The city learns, you know, oh, this code didn't work like we intended, so we need to you know, mm -hmm. pivot uh, in this direction, you know, and the university, you know, has done a good job of working with keeping us in the loop of things that are going on so that everybody's on, because you don't want to get in situations where you're overbuilt um, and high vacancies and not a healthy market. So do you think um, it's chicken and the egg thing? Maybe, uh, maybe you can clear that up, but uh, housing has helped the downtown uh, uh, social and nightlife or you know, is it the other way around that the downtown cleaned it, got cleaned up. And so it was more attractive for students to want to you know, live in that environment. Well, I would actually say you don't really have many students living downtown product that's been built downtown. Um, it's, it's weird, but there's actually, I mean, it's not a physical barrier, but it was a major mental barrier for students in terms of going downtown. Like it's almost like another world and the same about crossing the river. Um, those are big yeah. barriers to where students are, now, I'm not saying students don't get down, down to the bars, they do, but it's not like, it's not as um, traversed as their areas along the strip and campus and all of that. Um, and they really don't live down in that area. Um, in terms of living, it's a pretty tightened up box. I have a similar experience. I went to Syracuse University and, you know, the Syracuse is, is on a hill above the above the salt flats or the salt valleys and mm -hmm. the city's down in the valley. And we, we rarely got off what we called the hill you know, yeah. to go into town. And so it did set up some kind of, you know, some town and gown type issues. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we spent most of our money, energy and time, you know, on the hill with all of the restaurants and, and the bars and et cetera that were, you know, within walking distance, which was really important at Syracuse because there was usually 90 inches of snow on the ground. Yeah. Um, getting downtown was, was yeah. treacherous. But imagine. I think you probably see that a lot um, throughout the country. Do you want to talk about North River? Because that's an exciting project and you're you're sitting right in the middle of it right now. Yeah. North River Yacht Club is a private uh, club that's golf, tennis, fitness, dining. Um, but one of the unique things about it was that it had uh, a marina uh, as part of the club and this great social area called the Captain's Cabin. One of the things that had kind of deteriorated and was not in great shape was the marina. And I kept my boat there. And I think all great developments come out of pain points. So the marina had become a pain point for me and I was not happy with its condition. And so I just called uh, Carl, the club manager and said, hey, Carl, you guys ought to really sell the marina to me. I can renovate this place and fix it back up. And he's like, that's a great idea. And yeah. so uh, they were actually, had they had already been approached by two other marina operators that wanted to buy it. And um, so we had a little, you know, create a pitch deck and see who has the best ideas to come up with it. And 
the thing that was different about what I was willing to do that they were not is they only wanted a marina. And to me, those were big assets. And so thus was born uh, what we're calling the Captain's Club. And um, so it will be, we're fully renovating the marina. Uh, it's going from 85 kind of dilapidated slips to 189 boat slips on Lake Tuscaloosa. We're adding a new marina store that's never existed on the lake. Um, and then we're also adding on the captain's club, the captain's cabin side, a new restaurant that will serve lakeside. Um, and then you can also utilize the captain's cabin where I'm sitting right now uh, for special events and uh, meetings and wedding space type things. So it's going to be a really beautiful area. Uh, it already is a beautiful area. We're really yeah, enhancing right. it and bring it back to life. Um, so it's going to be a very exciting project. When you think that uh, you know that as the what you just described, when is that actually going to be you know in full fully operational and, and ready to have receive boats and restaurant tours? So we're delivering the first dock. Actually, it's in two weeks. It'll be finished, uh, and then the full product with all the slips and the marina store will be finished for may of next year 2024 that's just around the corner i mean it's already it's already football season i can't believe it and so there's a little bit more big ideas that are coming out of uh north river besides the marina you can talk about those a little bit well i don't know that we're quite ready to get those out into the public yet those will be coming soon okay. we'll um wait uh maybe about 45 days and have some more details about some other aspects that we're adding to what we're doing that are really going to continue to enhance this. Uh, one of them that we can talk about is the Hill House condos, that part. Oh, okay, good. We, yeah. we have um, started pre-sales on the condo piece of this. So we you know, have the Captain's Club, and then just up above the Captain's Club, we are building 34 um, just beautiful condos that overlook the lake, probably the best view anywhere on the lake. Every condo has beautiful lakefront views. One of our partners in that is Miller Mobley, and he really <laughs> brought a um, great touch to the finishes, the look of the building, the interiors, um, in working with your team to make that all happen and come to life. And so we started pre-sales on that. So that's going to be, that is one part that we can't announce. It's an exciting addition. We really believe in uh, Tuscaloosa, not just as a game day, place for game day uh, while that's great and it's a huge economic driver uh, we're lo really looking at ways to bring more people to the area and I think that the lake is a huge part of that with what we have in terms of the frontage on the lake and just with the golf club up there which is you know that that membership is separate but just all of this together makes a really special experience out here. Man, all of that sounds fantastic and having spent some time at the at the club and at the captain's cabin um, uh, it's really fantastic to, that you've got a vision for how to rehabilitate and also, you know, move that into the future and um, and take advantage of the assets that the natural assets that Tuscaloosa and uh, and the club have to offer. It's really really fantastic. Mm -hmm. We we kind of know who you are and, and what you do. Um, maybe you could finish up with with why you do it. You know, what what drives you to to want to be part of uh, or to initiate and, and have big ideas about these projects and to follow through with them in, in the Tuscaloosa community. Maybe it's the more of the uh, what gets you up in the morning, you know, what, yeah. what, what makes Andy Turner tick? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say ultimately it's all about really everything I do is really to bring honor to God in what I do. And 
I think if, you know, it, there's a scripture that says, whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your might for the glory of God. The language, the passion that God's put in me is real estate. There's a lot of people who do real estate just for the profit side, right? They're, you know, they're going to do a deal just to be profitable. And we, we, yeah, that's certainly important. We want to make a profit, but we also sure. want to do things that really bring people into God's creation and make them say, wow, this is excellent. One, we're here enhancing the beauty that God created, but when you do things right um, and people can see things are done right and not just the most cost-effective way or the cheapest way to get something done, when there's actual thought and um, intention put into things and thinking about the small details, I think those are important. And I think that there's not a lot of people doing those things. And so Mm -hmm. the more that we can do that, uh, the more excited I get. Because, uh, I mean, you know, it's like we're down here right before I get on this call. You know, Kenny, one of my partners and I are down here figuring out how to make a um, functional storage for boat boards. And just thinking through the details of, you know, how how would how sh- should this work? What's the best experience for the user down to the dowel rods and the type and how they look and all those details? Right. So, to me, it's, you know, I heard... When I was younger, somebody said, you know, the difference in ordinary and extraordinary is that little extra. And so I think I try to really bring the extra um, in everything I do. Well, amen to that. I think it's probably appropriate to say that God's in the details right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that dedication to being extraordinary that you and your partners have is one of the huge reasons that we have uh, enjoyed our engagement uh, with with y'all and look forward to continuing to do that in the future as uh, you unroll uh, uh, everything that uh, you've got uh, planned for for North River. Thanks for doing this with us. Any any last thoughts? Uh, No, just more to come. I'm excited about we've got some even bigger announcements coming that it's going to be really game-changing and legacy projects for Tuscaloosa. So looking forward to kind of continuing that and bringing those online here soon. So stay well, tuned. We look forward to working on them with you, and uh, we'll get you back to uh, talk more about it and maybe in 45 or 60 days. How about that? All right. Sounds All right. good. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it.